Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Well, if you're new with us this morning, again, welcome. We're so glad you guys are here. Uh, You are jumping in with us on a journey in our fourth week through what I would say is one of the most important series that we have ever done as a church. And we're calling this series Prepare the Way. This is one of the most important series we've ever done because this is a foundational promise that God has given our church, a promise he gave to us long before we ever started gathering on Sunday mornings. And this promise is found in a prophetic prayer from Isaiah in chapter 62 of of the book of Isaiah. And we know that this promise um, was a prophetic declaration that he spoke out over the Israelites as they came home after being in captivity for 70 years as they came home to Jerusalem. But we know that this is a first and foremost their promise that God spoke over them. But secondarily, as a community, we have received this as a promise for us, for the Father's house in the city of San Francisco. We know God has done something in their lives, but we know that this is a promise for us that we can cling to, that he wants to do something similar in our lives, in our day. And if you're up for that and agree with me, would you say, yes, Jesus, would you do it? Our primary scripture that we're focusing in on in this series is out of verse 10, which reads like this. It says, go through the gates, smooth out the road, and pull out the boulders. Prepare the way for my people to return. So far through this series, we've looked at the promise of salvation coming to the people of our city as they return to Christ. But we know that their return requires some boulders, some rocks, some things to be moved out of the way. And then next, we looked at the new names that God calls our city. And not just over the city, but over individuals. And then last week, we focused in on the promise of people remaining safely in the house of God as we commit to stepping over the lines that Jesus presents before us. Well, and this has been an incredible series, not just things that you know are great to hear, but what God has said over the Father's house. So if you've missed any of those weeks, I want to invite you, go to our YouTube, go to the podcast, and check it out so you can hear what God saying. Uh, Now this week, we are going to continue in this series and we're going to look at a few more, more verses of this prophetic prayer that Isaiah speaks out. But what I think that we'll notice as we focus in on these is that these verses focus far more on the people that aren't here yet. We're going to pick it up in this first verse in chapter 62 and it reads like this. Because I love San Francisco. Oh, disclaimer. Yes, it really says Jerusalem, okay? But God says this secondarily over us. So we put San Francisco in there, and if you're freaking out about it, you can email David and he'll talk to you about it. Because I love San Francisco, I will not keep still. 
Because my heart yearns for San Francisco, I cannot remain silent. I will not stop praying for her until her righteousness shines like the dawn and her salvation blazes like a burning torch. If you were to open up my Bible this morning, you would see in the margin of my Bible that I have an arrow pointing from verse 1 down to verses 6 and 7, which we're going to read out next, where it says, Oh, San Francisco, I have posted watchmen on your walls, and they will pray day and night continually. Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. Give the Lord no rest until he completes his work, until he makes San Francisco the pride of the earth. Listen, this scripture is so near and dear to my heart. It's a scripture that I meditate on almost every day. It's a scripture that even, as it says, wakes me up in the night. And the reason it's so near and dear to me is this is the vision scripture that God gave the intercessors of the Father's house. This is the scripture that embodies who we are, that as intercessors of the Father's house, we will be watchmen who stand on the walls and pray for this city. I love this scripture so much that when, you know, we were like, we're going to do this series, I right away was like, I got dibs. This one's mine because this is my scripture. This is a life verse for me. And if you're new with us today, you're new to the things of God, uh, that word intercessor that I use might be foreign to you. So let me explain and unpack what intercession means. Intercession is a type of prayer that goes beyond self and it's directed at others. Intercession is you standing in the gap between God and other people in their situations. We have about 75 intercessors who stand on the wall in this church. And not just like a, a 75 little old ladies, because you know, it's the little old ladies who pray for the church. No, this is men and women and almost every single age group represented. And I am very proud to say that it's almost split down, down the middle of how many men and how many women. I think I need to recruit about seven more men to make it even, so I'm talking to you this morning, men. I need you to join this team. And these people, they pray for the needs of this house. They pray for every bit of ministry in every service. They pray uh, as you fill out a prayer card in the hallway or online. They pray for you and your needs. They pray for everything that goes on. They pray before, during, and after every single one of these services. Pursuit gatherings, they pray before, during, and after. They pray in back rooms. They pray in creepy corners. They invite the presence of God to come in this place before all of us come in this place. They pray not just for the lost of this city, but they pray to the ends of the earth. They cover Tim and I as we lead this. They cover our team and our families. And they, like Tim and I, believe that it is prayer that truly changes things. That we pray before we do anything. That prayer is the backbone of the Father's house. That prayer is responsible for everything that has been done and everything that will be done and accomplished in the Father's house. So you're clapping because you agree with me. So here's the deal. Mama's here to recruit today. <laughs> If you believe that prayer works and you're not one of our intercessors, I wanna invite you in on this. There's a QR code right here. So point number one, application number one, to-do number one, come be a part of our intercessor team, amen. I will take you. 
You can come find another creepy corner to pray in and you'll enjoy it. But while this is the vision verse that God has given the intercessors of this house, I do not believe that it is restricted to one team. I don't believe it's restricted to a you know, group of 75 people to pray. No, this is a scripture that's for every single one of us. Because I believe that we are all called to be watchmen who pray. Now, there's a lot we can say on the subject of prayer. We could, we could preach sermon after sermon after sermon about prayer. But I think that the greatest focus of prayer that we can have is a prayer for salvation. In fact, this is the type of prayer that Isaiah was speaking of in chapter 62. It was a prayer of salvation. Because there's a lot of good things we can pray. We can pray for healing and deliverance and provision and protection. But the greatest way that we will ever pray is for those who are lost and dying and going to hell without a savior. The greatest form of prayer is a prayer for salvation. And I believe that this is the greatest way that we can prepare the way for those who aren't here yet. Just as our series title suggests. Well, speaking of titles, if you want a title for this sermon, here it is. Stand and stay awake. Come on, nudge your neighbor and say, you better not fall asleep. Stay awake this morning. All right, I'm telling you to stay awake, but now we're going to do what I just said we should do. We're going to pray. So close your eyes and pray. Don't fall asleep, okay? Uh, Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you that it truly has the power every single week to change our lives. Thank you that it has instructions, not just for how we should live, but instruction for our soul and what you want to speak to us. So we invite you to come just like you do every single week and bring your word and your truth to our lives and transform us yet again. And we all said in Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen. Well, I think before I can try and convince you that you are a watchman who's supposed to pray, I should probably first explain what a watchman is, because that's not a common profession in our day and age. This word watchman that Isaiah uses in chapter 62, verse 6, is the word shamar. I'm probably saying that wrong, so say it wrong with me, shamar. All right, well... What it means is to keep, observe, look out, protect, and save life. There are about 25 references to watchmen in the Bible. Some watchmen would stand in a watchtower to look out over the crops in the fields. And they would stand to, in a protective platform to look out to make sure that no thieves or even animals came to steal the crop. They also would look out so that they could recognize that from a bird's eye view when that crop was ready to be harvested. But other watchmen, they stood on the walls of a city. Now many established cities had a wall that would surround the entire area of the city and it would act as a protection from any enemies or any attack. But not only did that wall protect the city, but the watchmen who stood above had this unique perspective to look out and they would look out 
and they would be able to see from a distance if an enemy was coming. And if they saw an enemy starting to approach, they would sound an alarm and the guards would close the gate and they would take up defense. But they weren't just positioned on these walls to be a defense to those who would try and come in, but they were observers of the city. They had a unique perspective to look out and see the activity and the lifestyle and the need and the people that would come and go. From their post on this wall, they had a unique perspective in a bird's eye view. Uh, this a couple of weeks ago, I was studying out what a watchman was, knowing I was going to preach this. And this is two weeks ago when it was 90 degrees in our city and all of us were melting and not sleeping. So I decided I can't focus. I got to leave the sauna of my home and I retreated to the beach. And I was sitting on the beach reading this scripture and meditating on what a watchman is. And I thought, man, it's kind of hard to imagine a watchman. Like, this isn't a profession now. So, uh, like, what's a modern day example of a watchman? And then all of a sudden, the lifeguard drove by in his truck. And I'm like, that's it. So, this morning, if you're having a hard time picturing a watchman on a wall, I give you permission to instead picture a lifeguard on a beach. And I need you to do the very stereo, like picture the very stereotypical lifeguard, okay? I'm talking, you know, sun-kissed skin, bleach blonde hair, has the red shorts, but make it NorCal and put on a parka because it's not always 90 degrees here. And they are up in their tower, binoculars in hand as they shamar. They look out, they observe, they look at the beach and the horizon and out to the sea, and they even save lives. Probably even say like, bro, do you see that? I don't know. <laughs> but Isaiah here was not speaking of literal watchmen on walls, and he most certainly was not talking about lifeguards on the beach who say, bro. Instead, he was speaking of a watchman in a metaphorical sense. He was talking about spiritual watchmen. Now, a spiritual watchman of biblical times were those who prayed. They were people of prayer who would stand at a high position and they would look out on the city, on the people of God, and they would pray for the people of God. They also stood in these high places and in the spirit they, will be, they were able to observe and they would prophesy to the people or they would tell them of an attack that was coming. They would warn the people. These were people like Abraham who stood at a high place and looked out on the valley of Sodom and Gomorrah and prayed and contended with God and said, God, if you found just one righteous person, would you save that city? Abraham ended up saving his nephew Lot and his daughters. These were people like Moses who begged God to not, you know, kill off the Israelites when they're sinning. He said, God, would you show them mercy yet again, even though they're sinning again? People like Daniel who prayed to God that he would act and deliver his people. And he reminded God, God, these are your people and this is your city. Now, this morning, I'm going to take a minute and illustrate this for us. I'm going to invite the master of props to come and help me with my prop this morning. Come on, give it up for him because he doesn't just supply props when he preaches. He supplies props when I preach. 
You are amazing at this. You baptize people, you bring out, I'll take it like right here. Oh, nope, other way, other way. I know, I'm left-handed, it has to go this way. Yeah, thank you, make sure it's secure. Okay, fun fact about this. Thank you, can you do a pull-up on it, no? Okay. Fun fact about this, I was telling uh, Michelle, one of our youth pastors, about how I was gonna use a ladder to illustrate this this morning, and she reminded me back in my youth ministry days when she was a part of that, that I used a ladder to preach from. But here's the thing, I was an ambitious little youth pastor, and I didn't just use a ladder like this, but I used like a 20-foot ladder, and it was already on a tall stage. So, and, and of course, I was ambitious, so I went to the very tippy top of the ladder. What do you think happened? My, my youth ministry loved me, so they were like interceding and worried about me the whole time. They didn't listen to what I preached, it sucked. So I just want you to know, yes, I'm the clumsy pastor, but I wore sneakers for a reason. And where's my people that like are afraid of heights? Where are you at? Come on, be, be honest, yeah. All right, so just, just do this and get the sweat off your palms. I'm not gonna go all the way to the top. I'm just gonna go a couple rings up, okay? All right, all right, are we good now? So you'll listen to what I preach, unlike my youth ministry. Praise God. Well, spiritual watchmen are those who stand and look out. And as I've told you this morning that you are a watchman, you might go, no, I'm not. Like, I am not a prophet who prophesies, and I am not a prayer warrior. But the truth this morning, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down, because this is our first point. We all have a wall. If you are a believer in this room, and you know just one unbeliever, then you have a wall to stand on. Because Jesus doesn't just want to save you, he wants to save those around you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that none should perish, but all could have eternal life. And God has given you a wall to stand on. When Isaiah is speaking of this prophetic promise, this is a prophetic promise of salvation for a city. And salvation for a city means salvation for individuals. And I believe that this prophetic promise is for the Father's house. This prophetic promise is for our city. This prophetic promise is for your sons and daughters, the prodigals that are represented in this room. This prophetic promise is for your lost family members and friends and roommates and classmates. And God has given you and me a unique perspective into their lives. As we look out into the landscape of their life, we can see the ploy of the enemy. We can see how he wants to attack and he wants to bring destruction to their lives. And we can have a unique perspective to sound an alarm and pray for their salvation. See, we've been given a wall, but so many times, as we look at the landscape of the lost people around us, instead of standing on our wall, oh, we grab one of these cards. We say, I'm gonna write my friend's name on this card. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it in this box because this is the box of names that the intercessors pray for, right? Okay, so here's their name. Thank you, intercessor. Will you pray for them? Or we come down to this altar and we say, well, that prayer person or that pastor, they really know how to pray. So they'll go ahead and pray for them for me. Or I hear there's an intercessor here, here. she's kind of like a unicorn, her name's Carol. 
I hear she has a list of hundreds of names of prodigal sons and daughters that she prays for. Carol, I'm gonna send you a text, pray for them. And we hand somebody else the responsibility. But the truth is that we are all called to be watchmen who stand on our wall. And we take responsibility for them. We stand on our wall and we say, no, they're mine. I'm the one with the unique perspective into their life. I'm the one that sees what's going on and I will stand on my wall and take my position. I will take responsibility for them. I'll take responsibility for them like someone most likely took responsibility for me. It's long before most of us ever sat in a room like this and long before we ever bowed our knee to Jesus and confessed him as our Lord, someone stood on a wall. They looked at the perspective of our life and the landscape and our lifestyle and they contended for us. So why would we not step into this responsibility for them? I love this quote when it comes to praying for the lost. It says, search for a person who claims to have found Christ apart from someone else's prayer, and your search may go on forever. The truth today is we all have a wall to stand on. And this leads us to point number two this morning, because we can't just stand on our wall like these men, these statues painted on either side of us this morning. Instead, the goal of the watchman is that we watch well. And watching well is less about if we pray and it's more about how we pray. I see some of you like still staring at them. I'm sorry I distracted you. Isaiah said this in verse one, he said, He said that a watchman is someone who loves a city so much that they can't bear to remain silent until her righteousness shines like the dawn and her salvation blazes like a burning torch. Isaiah says that this watchman won't relent but will continually pray until that brother or that sister or that neighbor or that stranger on the street finds salvation. Isaiah says, I will not relent until the work of God is complete in this city. You can almost hear the passion and the fervency that comes off of the page when you read this scripture from Isaiah. Because this wasn't a passionless prayer from a weary, ineffective prophet. This wasn't some sort of like sovereign prayer, like, well, if it's your will to save them, Lord. No, it's a type of prayer. It's a type of fervency like the apostle James talks about, where he says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Effective fervency means this. It means to be at work, to put forth power. Listen, the truth is that if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, then you are called a righteous person. And when a righteous person lifts up their voice and prays, their prayers are effective. And this fervency 
It means that we are convinced that when we pray, things actually happen. Not only does our Father hear our prayers, but it causes heaven to invade earth earth and some things to change. So I think this is a great opportunity this morning as we do every single week and we have a little bit of self-reflection by asking ourselves a question. I think a great question we can ask ourselves is, are my prayers fervent? Do you really believe this morning that prayer works? Do you really believe this morning that your prayers work? Do you really believe that prayer is the most effective way that we could allow people and make a way for them to find salvation? Because our answer to that question It will show in our willingness for us to climb to our wall again and again and again. And when the Apostle James spoke of this fervent type of prayer, he followed it up with reminding us about another prophet in Scripture. Reminding us about the prophet Elijah who prayed. And he starts off by reminding us that Elijah was a man just like us, right here in this room. But when Elijah prayed, things changed, things happened. Elijah once prayed that it would stop raining and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again that it would rain and it started raining. Now this is an example of a fervent prayer that is powerful and effective. But in case you're wondering this morning, all right, sounds good. I got to get on the wall and I got to sound like Elijah or I got to sound like Isaiah. Listen, the goal is not to sound like a prophet. Watching well doesn't mean that you sound eloquent when you pray. Watching well doesn't mean you stand up here and you say, thou shall be saved. No, when you pray, you sound like you. Fervent prayers are less about our words and more about our heart's declaration and our belief in God. I know that some of the most fervent prayers that I've ever prayed have sounded the simplest. When I come and stand on my wall to pray for lost friends or family members, they're so simple. As I stand up here and I look out at the landscape of their life, sometimes all I can muster up is, Jesus, help. Will you save my uncle? God, I'm looking at the landscape of their life, and I know they need a lot, but more than anything, they need your salvation. They need truth that you are indeed Savior, and you love them and died for them. God, would you remove the scales from their eyes? Sometimes I can't even get words out. The only word that can come as I look out at the landscape of their eyes is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The simplicity of our words is, it doesn't make our prayers ineffective. Sometimes I think it makes our prayers more powerful because I'm focused less on what I'm saying and more on what my God can do. 
I don't care if you pray in the natural, you pray in the spirit. I don't care if you borrow the language from a songwriter's song and you just begin to worship over them as you pray and you stand on your wall. And the truth is that our prayers that we pray for the lost on our walls, they are not hitting the ceiling. No, they are hitting the heart of God. I am convinced of this because I have seen this happen time and time and time again. Let me remind you that this church's mission is to exist so that people can find life in Jesus. And to date, we have seen 842 people bow their knee and say, Jesus is Lord of my life. I think that that is good evidence. And listen, don't get me wrong. Jesus and Jesus alone saves. But I do know that God has used our prayers to help some lost souls come into this house. I know that because I'm responsible for digging through this box and pulling out the names that we've been praying for. Parents that have prayed for kids that have come back home. Kids who prayed for parents who have come back home. I'm on name after name of friend and people and I've dug through. So when I look at this, I see evidence that prayer in fact works. That a prayer for salvation in fact does call someone home. Not only that, I see the evidence in the word of God. When the apostle Peter was locked up in prison, what did the church do? They prayed. And what happened? An angel came and released him from prison. When I read about kings who fell on their face and said, God, I don't know what to do. Hezekiah, who didn't panic when an opposing army was coming. Instead, he got on his knees and prayed and God said, I will move. I will rescue you. Why? Because you prayed. Listen, I don't wanna know what our church would look like if it was a prayerless church. I don't wanna know who wouldn't be here, who wouldn't be delivered and saved if we hadn't prayed for them. Now I am thoroughly convinced that when we pray, heaven hears and God moves. And this morning, let us remember that we all have a wall And if we would stand on it and watch well, and lastly, if you're taking notes, this is the third and last thing I wanna share with us today. We need to stay awake. And this is where the hospitality team comes. You ready with all the espresso shots? They're gonna pass them out to you. (laughs) Again, Isaiah 62, six says this. Oh, San Francisco, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night continually. Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. As an intercessor who has a passion to one day have a 24-hour prayer room at the Father's house, I love this verse. Come on, JoJo, she's with me. Come on, the thought of of saints lifting up prayers to God 24 hours a day like sweet-smelling incense to God just excites me. But I'll tell you what, as a human who really, really loves a good night's sleep, it also kind of exhausts me. (laughs) Kind of feels overwhelming as I read this verse. And I've wrestled with this before. Where I'm like, okay, so Isaiah, you're saying I gotta stay up this ladder and I've gotta pray day and night, okay? Sure, no problem. Take no rest. (laughs) 
not sure I'm cut out to be an intercessor, and I don't think I want to stand on the wall. I'm good. I'm going to get the coffee now. Thankfully, I, I don't think that's what Isaiah was saying here. Instead, I think what he meant when he said, watchmen who pray day and night and take no rest, I think he truly meant that we should not fall asleep to our prayers. Let me show you what I mean by this, and I'm going to invite the band to come as we get ready to close this morning. Isaiah 62.6 makes me think of another portion of scripture where watching and praying is also the theme. If you read in Matthew chapter 26 about Jesus's last meal with his disciples, how he gathered them around and he did his best to prepare them for what was coming. And he also lets them know that, hey, one of you are gonna betray me. And then he informs Peter, uh, you're gonna deny me a few times. And of course, Peter argues with him. And then we find that Jesus says, hey, um, I wanna go off and I wanna spend some time having a prayer meeting. So he invites a, a few of the closest companions, Peter being one of them, to go and kneel in the Garden of Gethsemane and pray. Because Jesus knew what he was about to do. He was about to go to the cross and die a gruesome death so that we could be liberated from our sins. And this was a horrific thought, an anguishing moment for Jesus. In fact, as they went to the garden and Jesus said to the disciples, he said, will you watch with me? Will you pray with me? As Jesus knelt down in his anguish, he actually began to have blood come out of his pores as he prayed. He asked the disciples, would you watch with me? Would you pray with me? As Jesus gets up from where he was praying to go check on the disciples, he finds them asleep. Not praying, not contending, but sleeping. So he says, hey, hey guys, shake some awake. Hey, come on, would you watch with me even just for one hour? And then Jesus goes and he kneels back down and he says, Father, if you could take this cup from me, I'll let you. As he sat in the anguish and the pain of what he was about to endure. And then he goes back to check on his disciples a second time. Guess what? There they are, sawn logs again, asleep. He says, boys, 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 would you pray with me? Would you watch with me? Jesus goes and he kneels down again and he says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And a third time he goes back and the sleepy disciples are still fast asleep. Instead of interceding with him, they were asleep. This word watch that Jesus uses as he repeats to them and asks them to, to take watch means this. It means to give strict attention to, active, take heed through remission and laziness, something suddenly overtake you. Jesus was stricken with an anguish, with a grief, but the disciples were also going through their own thing. They were so overcome with all that had happened over the last few hours and what Jesus had shared with them that it brought them to exhaustion. And even though their soon-to-be Savior was beckoning them, they found themselves sleeping. But this morning, I think that many of us in this room can relate to these disciples. 
When it comes to praying for the lost around us, many times we start out with such fervency and faith as we stand on our wall and we pray for our family members and our friends and their salvation. But many times after praying so long, climbing up day after day and year after year, we can grow weary in our prayers. And suddenly, that watching turns to despair and a laziness within our prayers sets in. And that passion and that fervency that we once had can be traded for obligation and predictability. I know we don't wanna admit it. I don't know we wanna admit it that sometimes we stand on that wall and we look out and we're like, yeah, 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 save them. I don't know about you, but I found myself there in my prayers for those that I've been praying for over and over again. And as I stand on that wall and I look out and I'm like, the landscape of their life doesn't look any different. Should I even continue to pray? This weariness can set in inside of me. But this morning, I think that Jesus would come to each of us the same way that he came to his disciples and he would, he would implore us, he would say, wake up, wake up, wake up. And listen, this is not Jesus like ticked off with us and saying, you better wake up and you better pray with fervency because he's angry with us. No, I think our savior would have a smile on his face and he would say, son, daughter, wake up. Wake up, you know why? Because your prayers make a difference. Your prayers can move mountains. Your prayers can shake and change some things. Your prayers can bring heaven down to the earth. So won't you wake up and pray? Won't you wake up again and allow fervency and tenacity cause you to climb up again? Would you wake up? Think that this morning, this is the perfect moment for us to borrow some passion and some fervency from Isaiah. As Isaiah climbed up on the wall and he looked out and he said, as he looked at the landscape of the city, I cannot remain silent. Let our hearts borrow some fervency, borrow some passion. Let us prophesy and declare like Isaiah prophesied and declared. Let us look out at what we see and declare what is not as though it were. Let us look out and declare within our hearts, I will not remain silent. I will not remain silent until their righteousness shines like the dawn until their salvation blazes like a burning torch. I will not remain silent. I will not give up hope. I will not relent. I don't care what I see. I will continue to pray and declare and believe. And this is not just an individual I'm praying for, but this is who we are, Father's house. I will take every single opportunity that is presented to me. We will continue to preach the gospel. We will continue to witness to people. We will continue to take the opportunity on Facebook to invite someone to church. But first and foremost, we will be a house of prayer. I will pray before, during, and after. It will be prayer that goes out. As believers of this city, we will stand on walls and declare, God is not done with San Francisco. I will stand on rooftops. I will open.
city with eyes of faith to say, God loves San Francisco and He is not done yet. We speak this out over every son, over every daughter, over every lost heart. I don't know who that is right now. Whoever you're praying for, would you picture them? Would you look out over the landscape of their life? God is not done with them. We speak salvation over their soul wherever they're at right now. Home in bed, doing something that is ungodly. I don't care where they are or where the, their looks, life looks like, but right now, we contend for them. As watchers, we stand on our wall and we speak out a word of salvation. And not just over those we love, but the strangers of this city. We speak out the word of the Lord and right now, wherever you're at, maybe that's you and you say, I have fallen asleep in my prayers, but it's time for me to get up and it's time for me to climb up the wall again. And I choose today to not just pray in this room with this group of people, but I choose to continue to stand on my wall time and time and time again. I will wake up and stand. Let that be our response this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on. I don't care if you're sitting or you're standing, but would you bow your heads with me and could we take a moment for other people in the room that are maybe here today and you say, this message wasn't for me because I don't need to get on a wall and stand. I'm one of the people that you've been praying for on this wall. Wherever you're at, would you just close your eyes through the room right now? You're one of the people that we've been standing on the wall for. Maybe your name's right here in the box. If you're here this morning and you're far from Jesus, I wanna take this opportunity to invite you home. Listen, there's intercessors who've prayed for you, but I love the truth of this scripture and I wanna speak this out over you. Romans 8:34 says, Christ Jesus died for you and he was raised to new life for you. And it is He who now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. Come on, our intercession has joined His intercession. And if you're here this morning and you're far from Jesus and you don't wanna be any longer, I just simply want you to do something so bold. Would you just lift up your hand or just look up at me this morning? I wanna pray for you today. And right here, in this room, we're gonna pray with you. Come on, Jesus, everybody repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I choose to follow you. I give you my life. I turn from my past. I turn from my sin. And I choose to be your disciple. Take my life and I will walk with you all my days until I see you in eternity. Come on, can we just give it up for those who made that decision this morning? Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.